welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Pastor Tom, and I'm glad you're here this morning. We're going to be in Luke 8. If you want to get that ahead of time, we're going to stay basically in that story. I have uh, two sons from a previous marriage that failed, and uh, their mom and her new husband adopted them, and I let my kids go. I had some people I trusted that said that was the best thing to do, and, and I did, and that was a long time ago. Several years ago, their mother was out camping with her husband and was tragically killed by a lightning strike. And uh, before that had happened, we'd been in contact on Facebook. My wife and I had made contact with uh, my previous wife and the kids. And so we were aware, but not really connected, but had been in, in a little bit of contact. And so when, when she died, suddenly we contacted the boys and, and asked if we could attend the funeral. And they thought about it and they, they said no, which, which was fine. Um, but then um, the next year... I was being ordained in Kansas City uh, with Foursquare, and so I called my youngest son in uh, Kentucky and said, I'm going to Kansas City to be ordained. We're going to be there for a couple of days. Uh, would you be willing to come and, and meet us there? And he said, yes. And so after the service was over and we had time before we left to come back here to Sterling, we got together at a barbecue place, and, and so I physically met my youngest son and his wife and their two kids, and uh, Lori and I were there, and we had a really good conversation and got connected, and, and things were going really well, and there was an angel there from the Lord that we didn't even know about. Uh, we had uh, eaten a, a wonderful barbecue meal together for lunch, and I was getting ready to pay the check. I asked the waitress for the, for the tab to settle the bill, and she said, oh, don't worry about that. Somebody already paid it. And I was like, how did that happen? But somebody was there, heard what was going on, and just paid our bill, and that was, that was just amazing. Just a confirmation from God that we were doing the right thing. Um, the year after that, we went on vacation back to Kentucky and, and saw um, Scott again and his family, and we also got to connect with my oldest son and his family and uh, had a reunion there. We even actually uh, spent time in, in their home, and that was, that was really, really good. Uh, God was at work restoring relationships that I had given up on. Even without me asking, God was at work restoring and bringing about uh, this, uh, this restoration. And so now we are uh, connecting and talking and sharing and uh, having the best connection that we can have, even though we're still separated geographically. And so uh, that, is, uh, that ex is exciting uh, to us. God resurrects and restores his people. We struggle with our losses. There are dead areas in our life. Uh, there are dead-end jobs that we take on simply because of a need. There are strangling routines. I love routines, but sometimes they strangle the life out of us. Uh, relationships turn sour. We know that God offers life, and yet somehow we think our circumstances feel so unique and special to us 
that we place ourselves outside of God's sphere of activity. And so we isolate, disengage. We feel our life slipping away. Uh, and we are desperate to have something different in our life. Desperation is good if it drives us to our Father, if it causes us to recognize that we need help outside of ourselves, if it causes us to be open uh, to receive the blessings from our Father. Uh, this series that we've just started is called Back to Life, and it's about Jesus. Uh, we have uh, opened up this series last week. Uh, Pastor Ben talked about the work that Jesus is doing and the expectations around that work that we can have, that Jesus is at work even before we're aware of him being at work, uh, that Jesus has both authority and ability to work in our life, that the Son gives life to all of us, and that when we hear and believe, it results in life coming into us. Our anchor verse is John 5, 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. And so we are um, going to be exploring this uh, theme of back to life. If you have your Bible, I invite you to get that out and hold it up. If it's on your phone or some other kind of electronic device, that counts too. Hold it up. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank You for Your Word that gives life. We thank You for Your Word that sanctifies our life. Father, we ask that you would uh, give us uh, minds that are open to receive what you have, hearts that are open to receive what you have for us this morning, uh, that we might be blessed by hearing your word and living in your life. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to be uh, looking at uh, the resurrection of Jairus' daughter. And it's recorded in, in the 8th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, uh, 40 through 56 is where we're going to be looking. But if you open up that 8th chapter of Luke, you will discover that there are lots of things that are happening before we get to the story. Uh, Jesus is experiencing many kinds of things uh, leading up to this story. Uh, we see him out on the lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, as it's sometimes called. He is asleep in the, in the boat. The disciples are afraid because a storm has come up in the boat and the waves are beginning to fill the boat and capsize and they're in danger and they're fear and they cry out and wake him up. And with the word, he commands the waves to stop and the wind to cease. And they are amazed and say, who is this? Let even the wind and the waves obey him. We see Jesus on the other side of that lake in Gentile country encountering a man in the tombs and he casts out a demon from him and the people are amazed. And we see Jesus back in uh, Capernaum teaching and his mother and his brothers and sisters come and they want to take Jesus away. They are afraid for his life. Uh, they can sense the uh, hostility that is building up against him, the opposition that's building up. Uh, they are hearing what he's saying and they're beginning to think that, that maybe he has a mental illness and they want to take him away and, and save him from himself. And Jesus refuses to do that. Uh, and we see the evidence of that growing opposition on the part of the Jewish leaders that they are just gritting their teeth and they are uh, maneuvering and planning and plotting on how they can destroy Jesus. And that is growing and building. And even though it hasn't expressed itself fully, it is there in the backstory. 
And so as we look at this story, we're going to look at the, the characters that are in the story that make up the story. We're going to read uh, the story together as we look at each one of these uh, people. But just remember, Jesus declares to us, do not fear, only believe. So let's look at, at Jairus, Luke 8, uh, 40 through 42. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. So we see uh, Jairus. Uh, he is uh, a ruler of the synagogue. Uh, he's the head of the synagogue. He's not a rabbi, uh, but he is the board of elders, a layperson. Uh, but he is a significant leader in uh, the Sabbath uh, community, the, the synagogue community uh, there in Capernaum. Uh, as uh, head of the uh, board of elders of the synagogue, he's the one that designates who gets to read the Torah every Sabbath and who gets to bring a message. And so uh, he has a significance, he has influence, he has respect, he has standing in his community and therefore power, and yet his only daughter is on death's door. He is desperate for her to be healed. None of the things that he possesses answer his need. His power, his influence, his wealth, his standing, none of that is of any avail in regard to bringing his daughter life and healing. And so he comes to Jesus. He seeks him out. He humbles himself before him for the sake of his daughter. And he comes even though officially Jewish leaders are growing hardened towards Jesus. So he sees that opposition is there and he takes a step that even would place him in trouble with Jewish authorities, but he's desperate because his daughter is sick and dying. Jairus is an example of how we need to pray. And, and the first uh, step of that is simply to place ourselves in the presence of God. Uh, Luke 8.41 opens with, and there came a man named Jairus. You see, Jairus came to Jesus. He was desperate he looked around at his resources and he said, this is the place I need to be and I'm coming to Jesus. I don't care what anybody says, I'm coming to Jesus. And so he comes into the presence of Jesus and that's where the answer is. The second thing that Jairus did is he humbled himself before Jesus. Again in verse 41 it says, and falling at Jesus' feet. You know, when you fall down at somebody's feet, that's a pretty dramatic expression of what's going on. And so he humbled himself before Jesus. And we need to humble ourselves before God. God says that he lifts up those who are humble and he causes those who are filled with pride to fall. So we need to humble ourselves as we come into the presence of God. And when we're humble, and opened and waiting, God is the one who responds to us in that um, posture of worship and humility. And then the third step of prayer is to simply lay out the need that you have. 
That's what Jairus did. 841, again, he says he implored him to come to his house. Jairus laid out everything that was going on. My daughter is sick. She's my only daughter. She's, she's dying. She's so sick. She's dying. In, in fact, she's so sick. When I left, I am almost believing that she is dead already, but I'm coming because I want you to heal her. And he laid out his need directly to Jesus. And then the fourth step of prayer is to have confidence in the power and the goodness of Christ. In verse 42, it says, as Jesus went. Jesus was not waiting. He was not saying, well, I'll get to you, Jairus. It'll take a little bit, but I'm, I'll get there. No, as soon as Jairus comes and lays himself out before Jesus and speaks his need, Jesus is responding as he went. Jesus is on his way, answering that need that Jairus has laid out before him. And so Jesus is responding, and we can have confidence in the goodness of Jesus. How desperate are we? Is our confidence in ourself? Are we relying on our own efforts? I've been there. I've done that. Self-help section of the library or the bookstore is one of the biggest ones we all want self-help but when it comes to resurrection you can't raise yourself from the dead you can't heal yourself it takes jesus to do that have we reached the end of self and recognize that self is not enough. Come to Jesus. He's the one that's sufficient. He's the one that's able. He's willing, and He is gracious. Do not fear. Only believe. And then there is this woman in the crowd. I'm so uh, thankful that Megan uh, chose that song. I didn't even know that song existed, and, and it's so uh, fitting. Uh, Luke eight forty three through 48 and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd's surrounding you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had, been, why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This woman had suffered for 12 years. She was wealthy at one point because she had a lot of resources to spend on physicians. Uh, but now she is in poverty and she still has her illness. And so she was desperate. She did not have the courage to face Jesus directly, not to come in front of him and say, I need your help, would you heal me? But she believed that if she could just touch Jesus, just the hem of his garment, uh, that she would be healed. 
And in the crowd, she saw her opportunity, and so she wheeled her way through the crowd and reached out and touched the hem of, of his garment, and she was healed. Jesus felt that power leave him, and he confronted the crowd, commanding to know who touched him. Often when I've read this story, uh, the, the tone that I've given to Jesus is one of anger, one of being put off or put out. You know, someone has touched me, and power has gone out from me, and uh, this is not right, and it's got to be fixed. You know, that kind of attitude. But as I am looking at this, I'm seeing that, that Jesus is compassionate. It's not anger that causes him to ask, who touched me, but compassion. He wants to bless this woman. And he can't bless her unless he knows who she is. He can't bless her unless he can see her. can't bless her unless he can speak with her. And so, who touched me? I felt power leave me. And this woman comes, and Jesus speaks so tenderly and compassionately to her. He calls her daughter. Daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. That's a blessing. We want that blessing on our life. Go in peace. Go with my peace. Go with my presence. And so this woman was healed. Often when we read the story, we see this woman as an interruption. Uh, that Jesus wants to get to Jairus' house to heal his daughter. And this woman is slowing him down, impeding him, uh, keeping him away from that task. And, and Jairus is getting frustrated. But I, I see now that it's not an interruption. It's an encouragement. Jairus is desperate for his daughter to be healed. And he believes that, that Jesus as a prophet, that Jesus as a teacher has that ability and yet there's always that wondering, will he do that for me? I've asked for it. We're moving in that direction. And his faith is small, big enough for Jesus to work with, but still small. And so when Jesus heals this woman, it's got to be an encouragement to Jairus that if Jesus can do this, Simply by someone touching him, what can he do for my daughter when he gets there? I, I, I can see that it can happen. I, I can believe that Jesus can do this, and his faith is growing because of that encounter. And, and so it's not something that is an impediment, but rather an encouragement for Jairus. Are you feeling alone in your suffering? You're making every attempt at wholeness, only your illness persists. You're, you're spending your resources and you see no result. Your desire, your efforts, your determination are not enough. Touch Jesus. Press into Him. Press into His goodness. Press into His love. And you will receive His blessing do not fear, only believe. And then there comes this servant, Luke 8, 49 and 50. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. 
But Jesus, on hearing this, answered, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. The people that bring us negative messages often suffer consequences. We don't like bad news, and, and yet he brings this sad news to Jairus. Your daughter is dead. It, it's not something that's unexpected news. Jairus knew that his daughter was on death's doorstep. But this servant says, do not, trouble the ser- do not trouble the master anymore. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. And, and it's a voice of doubt. And we always have voices of doubt that are screaming in our ears. Voices that say, you're not worthy to have Jesus respond. We're not at a place, we're beyond the help of Jesus. Jesus doesn't have time for us now. Uh, Jesus has more important things to do. Those voices of doubt need to be silenced. And Jesus does that. Do not fear, only believe. Silences that voice of doubt. Fear is our great enemy. It diminishes us. It impoverishes us. It uh, paralyzes us. Do not fear, only believe, Jesus says. And faith is the antidote to fear. Uh, Faith is trust in not only the teachings, but importantly, a person specifically Jesus. That's who we need to trust in. And loyalty is, faith is about loyalty as well, uh, to a way of thinking to be sure, uh, but specifically to the person Jesus. To have confidence in Him is what faith is about. John 14, 11, Jesus speaking to His disciples says, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Even Jesus' own disciples in the upper room are having trouble believing that Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus. And sometimes the words of Jesus don't cause faith to rise up in us. But what Jesus says, if you don't find faith in my teachings, if you don't find faith in my words then look at the deeds, look at the actions, look at the signs and wonders, look at what is happening uh, around you because of God's presence in me. And if you can't believe the words, believe because of the signs and the wonders. Hebrews reminds us that uh, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We have a young cat in our house. We call him Rascal. He's an orange tabby. And uh, this last week, we were changing out furniture. We have a banquet um, table and, and, and bench seating in our kitchen eating space. And Lori and I wanted a round table. It just wasn't working. And so we were taking that down and moving it out to the back room and setting it up and uh, setting up the new table and chairs that we bought. And in the process of doing that, the garage door was open for a little bit. And in the process of doing that, this uh, orange rascal cat got out and no one saw him leave. And uh, we just went about our business and we didn't know where he was. We didn't even know he was gone until later in the afternoon uh, when the grandkids started counting cat noses and said, hey, we're missing one. Where's rascal? And, And then we looked all over the house, reassuring them, oh, he's just hiding. He's someplace. He'll come out. And he didn't. And then we 
uh, were in the evening and we were getting desperate and we walked the neighborhood calling his name and uh, I was so desperate that I, I decided he's never been outside before. He doesn't know what our house looks like. He wouldn't be able to recognize it. So I took an old flannel shirt that I wear a lot and I put it out by the spruce tree thinking that the scent on it would be something that might attract him and he would know at least that this is close to where you need to be. And we were praying and crying out to God that He would save and, and preserve our cat and bring Him home safe and sound to us. And while that's going on and we're going to bed uh, praying and crying and uh, being distraught because of the loss that we're experiencing, I, I have a picture in my head that I'm going to open a door and Rascal's going to be there. And, and I can't tell if it's just my wishful thinking or if it's something that's come from God because I've been praying desperately for God to preserve this cat's life. And so we get up in the morning and I go about my, my chores and I'm out feeding the dog and I hear him mewing. So I run out that door to the backyard and I call and, and nothing. And I go back in and I find that there's some recycling that I need to put away in the garage. And I go out there and I'm just kind of standing, just listening in silence, and I hear a mewing. And I open the back door to the back room, and there's Rascal on the banquette bench, mewing, looking at me. I know that a lost cat can be something that's insignificant to you. And yet for us, it was something that was immense and weighty. And you might think that your need is insignificant to God and that God wouldn't care about it, but I tell you the truth, that what you find significant and important, God finds significant and important too. And when you take it to Him, He has an answer for you. He will speak. He will uh, be at work. And He will bring what you need in that moment because He loves you. God always says yes to us, His children, when we ask. The servant says, don't trouble the master. But the truth is, everything is worth troubling the master for because he cares about you and I. So bring it to the Lord. Silence that voice of doubt and speak your need to him. Faith culminates in actions. Faith brought Jairus to Jesus. Faith brought this woman to Jesus in the crowd. Uh, the message of the servant really changed nothing. Jairus already knew that his daughter uh, was dead or dying, as good as dead anyway. And, and so, um, is there really any difference between Jesus miraculously healing something and raising someone from the dead? Aren't, aren't those really the same thing? It takes the same power takes the same amount. It doesn't really matter if it's healing we want or resurrection that we want. God is able to do that. Do not fear, only believe. And then there's Jesus in the story, uh, the confident one, Luke uh, 8, 51 through 56. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother and the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. 
And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Jesus is the confident one in this story. He meets Jairus and goes with him. He blesses the woman who touched him in the crowd. He turns aside the voice of doubt with a word of faith. He meets the mourners with the same confidence. She is not dead. She is only sleeping. And they laugh in scorn at him. I don't know about you, but when people laugh at me, not because I've told a funny joke, but they're just simply laughing at me, there's something inside me that shrinks and fades and and dies. And yet Jesus is the one who is confident. She is not dead. She's only sleeping. I want to jump to Hebrews 1, 2, and 3 uh, and speak about the authority of Jesus. There are uh, three things in this passage about creation that I want to highlight. Verse 2 of Hebrews uh, chapter 1 says, But in these last days He spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He has also created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. It says, first of all, that Jesus has appointed the heir of creation. That doesn't mean that God wrote a will, the Father wrote a will and put Jesus in it, and that someday when God dies, Jesus is going to inherit. That's kind of the way that we would read it. Uh, but what that means in the culture in the time of Jesus is that uh, the firstborn, the first son, has power of attorney and acts in the place of the Father. That he has authority, that he is appointed over creation that is he's king of it he's sovereign over it that he's the one that's in charge of it that's what that means and secondly uh, he's in charge of creation because the father creates through him that jesus is the agency of creation and so he can be sovereign over it because he made all of it and it's the totality of creation that we're talking about and then the third point is that jesus is the one that bears the universe upholding it by the word of his power uh, that's a dynamic picture it's not a picture of atlas upholding or uh, holding up the the globe uh, that so often we've seen from greek mythology that he's just standing in that place anchored and holding up the world but rather jesus holds the universe together and bears it along until it comes to its destined outcome that he's intimately involved with creation Uh, That he doesn't make it and then leave. He is intimately involved in it. And what that means is because Jesus is the agency of creator, that he's sovereign over creation, and that he is at work in creation, uh, that he has the ability and the authority to not only heal diseases, but to give life and raise people from the dead because he knows how we were made because he did that for us. And so he has that authority, he has that power, uh, he has that ability of, because of who he is and his relationship with the Father. And so we need to keep that in mind. Your circumstances and my circumstances can sometimes feel overwhelming 
They can feel unique as if we are alone in them. But just be aware that God is already at work in the midst of your circumstances and that He is bearing you along to your destined outcome. That He will bring you to completion what He started in you. And you can have confidence in that. You can have trust in that. Do not fear. Only believe. Jesus is willing uh, to touch this dead girl. He's not put off by that. He's not intimidated by that. And he speaks boldly to her. Mark 5.41 says, Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. That's a literal translation of the Aramaic, but it's an endearment that, that moms and dads speaks to their sons and daughters. And it has the weight and the uh, significance and the love and endearment in it as if he was saying, my precious lamb, arise. John 10.3 says, uh, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Jesus knows this precious lamb and he called her, and she came, and he gave her life. He reunites spirit and body. Her sickness is removed, and her life is restored. And then he gives her back to her family. Her new life is sustained by ordinary means. She has to eat. She has to sleep. She needs her family around her, and her family is instrumental in her care. And so it is with us. We need others around us to care, to connect, uh, to direct and guide and we're not sent out on our own but rather we're given to our family God's family and then Jesus reminds us that the good news is always about resurrection Luke 15 verse 32 it's a conclusion of the story of the prodigal son and the father is speaking to the elder son who has rejected his younger brother and the father speaks these words it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive he was lost and is found and indeed the truth is that we are all dead and that we're all made alive in Jesus Christ. Do not fear. Only believe. Jairus shows how to pray. The woman shows how to press into Jesus. And Jesus demonstrates confidence. Do not fear. Only believe. I invite the, the worship team to come up on the platform with me. And I would invite you to stand as you are able. Jesus is here for you today. If you have need of His power, fall down and worship before Him. Lay out your need in detail and press into His love and grace and trust that He's already at work for your best. If you are hearing Jesus call your name and saying, I want to be in a relationship with you, uh, that is good news indeed. Uh, and Paul reminds us that there are uh, two responses that we can make to that call of Jesus. The first is simply to believe that Jesus is alive, uh, that he's been raised from the dead, and therefore he is uh, powerful and mighty and has authority and that he's alive for you. And the second is to confess or speak with your lips and declare that He's the Lord of your life, that you want Him to be in charge of you. You've looked around at your life when you've been in charge of it, and you've seen the result of that. 
And here's an opportunity for new management to come in and reorganize things and give you life and success because he's present with you. If you believe in your heart and if you uh, confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. Uh, Jesus is here for you, ready to embrace you and love you and welcome you and give you the life that you so um, are eagerly desiring. I want to speak to our congregation gathered here and remind you that the daughter of Jairus is a passive person in this story. She didn't call out to Jesus. She didn't ask to be healed. She didn't call out to be raised from the dead. Jairus did that for her. And so... I'm letting you know that you can look around and see people in your life who need resurrection. You can see the people that are in your life that you have a relationship with who are desperate, who have a need, uh, who are not well. And you can bring them to Jesus. You can lift them up. You can lay out their need before Him. You can come and fall at His feet on their behalf and worship Jesus and lift them up and describe what's needed and trust that Jesus is on His way to answer that need. That as God's family, we can speak and lift up and pray for one another. And that Jesus will give life. Can you do that this morning? Would you pray with me? Oh, loving God, we are so grateful that even before we ask, you're on your way that you're at work, that you're bringing life, and that you're moving through the desperation that we feel to give us answers and to give us life. Father, we lift up uh, those around us that we see who need life, and we lift them up to you, Lord, and we ask that you would bless them with life, that you would bring your answer of healing to their need, and that you would be in their life, and that you would uh, help them respond to you that they might have life as well. Uh, Father, we trust in your goodness. We rely on your spirit. We rely in confidence on your presence and trust that your goodness is already at work in our life and in the life of the people around us. Father, we ask your blessing now that you would speak your words of, of going in peace, that we might know with confidence that we are in your love and that your grace surrounds us and upholds us. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Action steps. First of all, come to Jesus. I want you to fall down at the feet of Jesus this week. Press in to touch him and then trust in his goodness to say yes to your need.